Welcome in to the best in true crime podcasting. This is True Crime Tuesday. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Again, Happy New Year, everybody. You've probably heard it a thousand times already, but we're going to say it to you one more time. It's just the 2nd of January, but that's okay. Uh, for the new year, we're going to rip the headlines and bring you some of those brand new headlines, or actually some of the headlines from last year into this year, because there's some brand new stuff happening already in the new year. That's right. We don't stop the headlines because we've jumped into the new year. Oh, no, it's not a shiny new year at all. In fact, it's grungy, it's dirty, and people are still committing crimes. So we're going to tell you about that in the first part of the show. And the second part of the show, of course, it's dumb crime, stupid criminals. But because we're doing it differently today, we're going to need a co-host for both segments. So we bring in the co-host with the most, the BCB, the big cuddly bear himself, Beer City Bruiser. Happy New Year, Bruiser. Oh, happy New Year, Cruiser. And 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 to to set the tone to get into these stories, mm-hmm. I have some advice for everybody. Happy New Year. Don't be a dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure all our stories that you're about to read, someone's a dick. <laughs> That's right. And and keep in mind, folks, there every story we read today has no slant. Right. Okay. It's just news. There's no bias. There's no I told you so's. There's no gotchas. It's just a story. Okay? It doesn't reflect Bruiser's political slant. It doesn't reflect Cruiser's political slant. (laughs) It's just news that's in the news. In fact, it's being reported by whoever in the news. Whatever, Whatever news organizations out there is reporting it right now. So let's not get our undies in a bunch. These are just news stories. I'm intrigued to see what we got ripped from the headlines now. That's a good nugget you just left there. I know, right? That that actually is a huge clue as to one of the things that's in ripped from the headlines today because you can't avoid it. It's it's one of those stories, in fact, we've covered here on the show. But man, is it a juicy one and an intriguing one. Okay. All right. Let's start it up here, Bru- or Bruiser. I almost called you my own name. Um, <laughs> that's what kind of a New Year it is. I had a weird New Year's. I don't know about you, but I had a weird New Year's. Uh, let's start it out with Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Ah, yes. Familiar Ooh. with her. Yep. Released last year from prison. Eight years after her mother's murder, she's already come out and spoke on social media. It didn't take long. No, it didn't. But she's that generation. She is that generation. Uh, Chillicothe, Missouri, 32-year-old Gypsy Rose Blanchard, uh, whose story became widespread through true crime documentaries and television miniseries, was released on parole early Thursday morning. That's last week. The Springfield News Leader reports that Blanchard left Chillicothe Correctional Center on Thursday, December 28th at approximately 3 a.m. after serving 85% of her 10-year sentence for her role in the death of her mother, Claudine Dee Blanchard. Dee Dee Blanchard suffered from Munchausen syndrome by proxy and made her daughter and doctors believe that Gypsy Blanchard had cancer and other diseases. Blanchard often had to undergo treatment for sicknesses she never actually had. Blanchard was confined to a wheelchair and made to believe she could not walk, which resulted in gifts and other compensation from charities and organizations to help fund the treatment. Now, Dee Dee Blanchard was found stabbed to death in their home on June 14, 2015. Investigators learned that Blanchard met her boyfriend, Nicholas Godajan, I believe it is, on a dating website and later worked with him to have him kill Dee Dee Blanchard. 
Authorities tracked Blanchard and Gottajan to his home state of Wisconsin, where they later were arrested. Blanchard pleaded guilty in July of 2016 to second-degree murder. Her boyfriend was sentenced to life in prison, though he is reportedly trying to appeal for a new trial. Now, Bruiser, I'll ask you this. Should he get a new trial? No. No, I don't. With all the publicity that's surrounding this and, and the stories that have come out, I don't think he should get a new trial. I think he should. I think he's eligible for parole. He didn't get life without parole. So he should just wait till his parole date can come up and try and get parole. Now, in Gypsy's case, Munchausen by proxy, do you feel she was taken advantage of, shouldn't have gotten the sentence, or do you feel she should have served the entire sentence? I feel that she served some of the sentence. Um, we have to remember this girl from the day she was born doesn't know what normal life was because her mother took over and was a scam artist. I'm telling you, like, first and foremost, her mother was a scam artist mm -hmm. and would scam all, scam all these charities using gypsies, quote unquote, illnesses. So this this girl doesn't know what normal life is. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know what it means to get up every day and go to school or get up and go to work. So. I, do I agree with them murdering the mother? No. Yeah. But I think she now has the opportunity under observation to start a semi-normal life. True. It's kind of hard to think of what a normal life would be when you think murder you've been, somebody. Well, not only murder somebody, but when you think you've been ill your entire life, what is normal? I mean, when you've been programmed to think you've been ill your entire life and everything is not normal. You know, right. Yeah. So I'm hoping that her her parole agent or whatever is in charge of her at least gets her some sort of help on the outside to adjust to normal life. I think they should do that with a lot of long term criminals that oh, yeah. Yeah. serve a prison sentence and then get released into the, the public. I also believe that with military, if a soldier is in the army and he gets out, they need to have a counselor to show this is what real this is what regular life is. Mm -hmm. This is how, you know, you go get a job, you pay your taxes, you get a house. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's going to have to be a lot of work done with her. Yeah. And I'm assuming she got therapy while she was in prison. Yeah. She needs to continue that outside. Yes. And realize what normal life is. On a side note, Chillicothe, I wrestled there. Mm -hmm. That's where sliced bread was invented. Really? Yes. Not the wrestling move, but the, the actual sliced bread. The actual bread. sliced bread. Yes. Really? Interesting. Yes. That is yeah, interesting. So I find it funny she lives there. I do too. And when you slice the bread, does it go ouch? <laughs> I've always wondered that too. You know, people say that vegetables actually have feelings and scream when you, when you cut them. Oh, vegans are killing them. <laughs> that's, that's, we had that story a long time ago on Supernatural <laughs> News. I just thought it was kind of funny. Speaking of being oversensitive. All right. Here's the time in our program where we say, put your political aspersions aside your feelings aside here is a trigger alert for all of you right now just take a deep breath here comes the story remember it's only news yes okay former president bill clinton will be unmasked as doe 36 and identified more than 50 times in a jeffrey epstein document dump yeah we knew this was coming when they released the um the flight logs, you know, eventually the list is coming out. Well, now, in all fairness, I will read you something that is not true about that statement. He's okay. never identified by name in the flight logs. 
That's right. It's all coded, isn't it? Yes. Everything's coded in the flight logs. So there is nothing that says Bill Clinton in the flight logs. Okay. Well, okay. I'm curious to see how his name comes all up right. then. Former President Bill Clinton will be identified as John Doe 36 in a trove okay. of court documents related to late pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, which are expected to be released this week, literally this week. In fact, as you hear this, it may be today. You may be getting that news story today on your uh, devices. 77-year-old Clinton is mentioned more than 50 times across red-acted documents related to a 2015 lawsuit from Epstein accuser Virginia Jeffrey. Or Jeffrey. Uh, many of the references to Clinton are believed to stem from Jeffrey's attempts to compel the former president to testify against the late sex offender and his former paramour and co-conspirator Ghislaine Maxwell. Other Clinton mentions are expected to be related to attempts from both Maxwell and Jeffrey to make Epstein come clean in 2016 after he repeatedly invoked his Fifth Amendment rights during a deposition in that lawsuit. The documents are not expected to implicate Clinton in any illegal activity. Keep that in mind. Okay. So he won't be implicated in any illegal activity. His name's just there. His name is just in the logs. Okay. Okay. The names of more than 100, 170 people known only as John and Jane Doe's previously with ties to Epstein are expected to be revealed in the documents after Manhattan federal judge Loretta Preska ruled just before Christmas that they should be unsealed in the new year. Because of the new year's holidays, the documents are expected to be released beginning today. Okay. All right. So there you go, Bruiser. John Doe 36. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this list because they're going to have to prove, because you just, you just said it yourself, this doesn't show he did anything illegal. His right. name's just on this list. It'll be interesting to see how they go about proving these names did something illegally on that island. Now the only we all know it, we all know it, but right, America, the, you know, you're 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 you have the right to a fair trial. Right, so there needs to be evidence. The only one who's been named so far and has been tied to this entire case has been Prince Andrew, okay, who was publicly admonished by the Queen before her death and had been for lack of a better term, demoted in his duties. Right. Um, so by, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but by public trial by the queen, he's been, I guess, implicated. Is that a good way to put it? It is. It's, it, I think she was acting to, well, as she always did to protect the crown. Yes. So yeah. she's like, Hey, let's get ahead of this. We don't know what the truth is. You're not, you're not fired. You're not. You're not kicked out of everything. But we're demoting you. You need to. You know. We need to show we're doing something to save face. Right. I'm curious if it comes out what what could possibly happen to Bill Clinton. He has no power anymore politically. He's just basically the old guy, the creepy old guy. You know, in Arkansas, like. Well, what what do they expect to happen with the? And, and although political, I know all the conspiracy theorists want this list. I everybody wants this list. I I might stop you right there because although there may you say there's no political power, not necessarily true. There's there's uh, there's some um, what's a good way of putting this? So although he doesn't he can't directly run for say 
president. He can't do that. He mm-hmm. could potentially, if if the Democratic Party decided or wanted him to, he could run for lower office. If he, if he wanted to become, a, you know, if he wanted to be a secretary of state, he could be that. If he wanted to be in somebody's administration, he could do that. Just because he's not in active office right now or seeking active office doesn't mean he couldn't be in the future. Keep in mind, with his age, chances are he's probably not going to. Correct. The other thing that it can affect is he makes a ton of money on the speaking circuit. Okay. As an established former president, he he does a ton of charity work and moves a lot of mountains with charity work. So, and with his philanthropic work and the charity work, he, he, he moves a lot of things behind the scenes that you don't see. Along with President, former President Bush, the mm-hmm. two of them work together. So, I think it's, it's kind of important to acknowledge that there's, there's a lot of behind the scenes things you don't see with him. Right. And so, this is potentially really damning. It is, but he could move it to the moving of the mountains he can he can do it from the shadows my my question is what does hillary do because she stood by him during the impeachment trial during the monica Lewinsky incident you know she stood by him through a lot of his let's say egg on my face moments Mm -hmm. just because we're not being political but he you know she stood by him because she you know and it helped her in the long run don't get me wrong Uh but now this is children we're talking about does she separate herself or is it because all it is is a ledger in a plain you know mind you 50 times is a lot of times in a plain ledger but correct what is he going there for that's the thing yes so you could say okay well he flew back and forth to parties well what were those parties for well they might have been fundraisers or it might have been bill was going there to get uh, you know, like I said, fundraisers. He's going there to get influential people to get money to fundraise for political campaigns. Okay. I don't mean to cut you off, but you're looking at that from a legal standpoint. You're not looking at it as the court of public opinion, which sure. nowadays is the first court people go through is the port. Absolutely. Of court. And but I'm just common saying, knowledge, the Epstein Island was, you didn't fly there for parties. <laughs> you didn't fly there for fundraisers. Right. No, but, but, so okay, I'm talking but, public opinion. I'm not saying legally. I'm no, saying public opinion. His name comes out 50 times. I'm telling the you public where, slams him. Does Hillary separate herself? I'm telling you where the Clinton playbook is going now. Okay. Okay. So, yep. so he says, well, that's just fine. There was never any illegal activity. I never went there to partake in anything. Mm-hmm. In fact, I never went there and partook in anything other than gatherings. And I think you'll find when the names that are eventually released here come out you'll see a lot of the hollywood elite you'll see a lot of the business elite on those lists none of those people were involved in any illegal activity if anything we got together because jeffrey epstein was a mover and a shaker in the financial district and we got together in order to network and that's what's going to come up networking yeah and that's how the Clinton playbook works and twists this around. Yeah. And in that, you don't see Hillary do anything, but just stand by his side and say nothing. Okay. Because they work better together than they work separately. Right. That's what I think she knew right away because she was so 
early in her political career when, when the egg on his face happened. So she was probably like, I'm going to stick with him because I know in the long run this is going to benefit me. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't I don't see this as being, a lot of people see this as potentially damaging. Uh, wait for things to come out. I think it'll be damaging in the court of public opinion, but I don't think it'll be. Initially, yes. Initially, yeah, yes. The initial but, blowbacks will be like, oh, look at all these people on this list. Yeah, but you know, but let things come out because you're going to see other names come out here, and of course, there's going to be that that scarlet letter thrown out on them, mm. and then wait for the official answer as to what comes out. Of it. I bet you networking comes up. Yeah, but unless see, you have to, the, the main person, Ghislaine Maxwell, who can speak, isn't saying anything. Oh, really? She's she's staying silent, huh? She's staying silent. And she'll stay silent probably until her death, whether it's, again, I'm being spooky here, whether <laughs> it's natural or it's forced. So the fact of the matter is the one person who knows all isn't saying anything. Yeah. So now look, I'm surprised she's still alive. I am. I am, too. I yeah. am, too. I, I really thought that she would be gone by now. I did, too. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, again, we're doing right from the headlines today. Speaking of twisted sex scandals in socialites, a socialite accused in a twisted child sex plot is denied bail after arguing she's not particularly dangerous. <laughs> okay. I know. This is an interesting headline, to say the least. Yeah. The Virginia mother accused of organizing a twisted daddy-daughter sex plot was denied a request to be freed from jail ahead of her trial after arguing that she's not particularly dangerous. I don't see how she's not particularly dangerous. She's arranging a daddy-daughter thing. All right. This is going to be interesting to hear. Right. I believe this is Eleanor Hunton Hoppy, her December 9th motion to be released from prison and live with her aunt before her child sex trial was denied on December 15th. The accused pedophile also appears to be turning down a plea deal that was set to expire on December 14th, according to a federal motion concerning allegations that Hoppy is receiving poor medical treatment at the D.C. Department of Corrections. The deal would have required her to plead guilty to enticing a minor. The charge carries a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years in prison, it was the second time the 45-year-old had attempted to get out of jail following her March arrest at a Warrenton motel. The Charlottesville area woman was busted at the motel after she met an undercover FBI agent who she allegedly believed was a father requesting to have group sex with her 8-year-old daughter. Oh. How disgusting is that? Yeah, that's very disgusting. Hoppy has also been denied a pretrial release in April when a judge dismissed her claim that she was an upstanding citizen because she went to college and had legal experience, calling her a grave danger to the community. Yeah. That's the reason, Bruiser, she should be let out. Oh, no. She wants to be let out of jail, but nobody's going to let her out of jail, said legal analyst David Helberg. He told that to an outlet. Hoppy was initially busted after sending the undercover agent a 30-second video containing explicit child sexual abuse after being ensnared by the FBI on a fetish site. The quote here is, Hey, I'm a single mom raising two daughters in a very open mother-daughter relationship. I'm hoping to connect with similar families in Virginia through this forum. Would be amazing to find a, fi a father figure to make our family complete. Hoppy had allegedly wrote that, according to the outlet. Remember, this is a special daddy-daughter night. No clothes needed, Hoppy allegedly messaged the agent. 
in this case. Oh my gosh. I'll be there as soon as I can get, uh, I'll be there as soon as I can, and I'll be naked too, is what she messaged the agent. Hoppy was allegedly in possession of lubricant and a pink child's garment matching a similar outfit that was promised to her uh, when she arrived at the motel. After being caught, she reportedly claimed that she had traveled to Warrington to prevent any child abuse. Hoppy's ex-husband, Joel Hoppy, is a magistrate judge in the Western District of Virginia. Oh, God. This is, this is just sick and disgusting. It is. Uh, after her arrest, Joel Hoppy won custody of the couple's daughters aged 10 and 12. So there you go. An open relationship with the mother and daughter is not sex parties. I hate to say it. No, especially that young. Yeah, exactly. There's no- and that's not a father figure. That's an abuser. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's, uh, let's move ahead. A missing North Carolina teen is found hidden in a trapdoor in a Kentucky man's home. Oh, I don't think they belong there. No, no, I don't think they went me- meant to go missing there either. We go to Lincoln County, Kentucky, where a 34-year-old man was arrested this week after deputies located a missing 16-year-old girl from North Carolina who was reportedly hidden inside a trapdoor in the suspect's home. Okay. It's just awkward they have a trapdoor in their home. Yes. On December 25th, that's right, on Christmas Day, Zachary Jones's mother called the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office to report a fight between Jones and his girlfriend, that's in quotes, Deputies went to the home in Kings Mountain and were met by Jones and his mother, but the girlfriend was nowhere to be found. During the search, deputies spotted cocaine that Jones allegedly threw in a wood stove in an attempt to get rid of the drugs. (laughs) That's a horrible way to do it, by the way. Yes, it is. WLEX-TV reports deputies put Jones in the squad car and continue to look for the victim. They eventually located her in a trapdoor hidden under a rug in his bedroom and then rescued her. Lincoln County deputies reportedly noted the teen was very high. Okay. So they kept her drugged up to keep her in that the 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 hideout. Yeah, in that trapdoor. WTVD TV, which cites the arrest citation, reports Jones allegedly confessed to having sex with the teen while getting high off crack cocaine and marijuana with her. The victim reportedly said he choked her during some of their sexual encounters. Jones reportedly denied the allegations, even though the deputies reportedly noticed marks on her neck. Jones and the victim reportedly met on Facebook, where they struck up an online relationship. Jones, however, allegedly told the teen he was 19 years old. Jones picked up the teen from her grandmother's house in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and drove her back to his residence in Kentucky. The teen was reported missing to the Cumberland County Sheriff's Office on December 8th. When they met, the victim was reportedly or reportedly had made a comment that Jones looked older than 19. He was purportedly said at that time that he was 25. Then when they got to Kentucky, he reportedly learned of Jones's real age. The two had been communicating for about two to three weeks before he took her to Kentucky. I want to look into this guy's background. I bet you there's more incidents. This sounds like a serial um, happening. I'm sure. Does that guy look like he's young to you at all? No, he, he doesn't look 19 at all. No, to me, he looks like he's 35 years old. Yeah, he's old. Yeah, he does not look like he's a young man. No, and mugshots never look good, but there he looks rough. Yeah, he, he looks d- old. He does look like a very rough man. Uh, that's for sure. He does not look like uh, a young man, uh, to say the least. I hope they look into his past. I bet they can find link more stuff to him. Yeah, that's for sure. 
one more before we go to break. Another story of another teen. This one, a California teen, used multiple weapons to kill his parents before reporting bogus break-in. Okay. Yeah. He wanted to make sure they were dead. I guess so. A 14-year-old Californian boy allegedly used multiple weapons to murder both of his parents and seriously injure his younger sister before calling 911 to report a bogus break-in at his home. The teen was arrested and charged with two counts of murder and one charge of attempted murder after the Fresno County Sheriff's Office reported to an emergency injured person's call that he had placed around 7.40 p.m. on Wednesday. His name and photo were not immediately released due to his age. According to radio traffic reviewed by KFSN, the dispatcher who took the 911 call heard screaming on the line saying someone broke into the house with a gun and children crying in the background. Upon arrival, police say the boy claimed somebody had broken into his Miramonte, California home and brutally attacked his family before fleeing the scene in a pickup truck. Deputies entered the home to find the bodies of the teen's parents, identified as Lu Yang and Si Vang, both 37 years old, as well as his 11-year-old sister, who suffered major injuries and was rushed into a local hospital. The girl underwent emergency surgery and is expected to survive, according to police. Another young boy was found in the house and was not injured, though police did not specify his age or relationship to the rest of the family. KFSN reported that he was the seven-year-old brother of the murder suspect. Homicide detectives were called to the home and discovered inconsistencies with the boy's account of what had happened. The evidence ultimately showed that the 14-year-old boy had fabricated the story of a break-in and was responsible for using multiple weapons to attack his family members. Investigators said have yet to determine a motive for the alleged slayings, but Fresno County Sheriff John Zanoni said it was an isolated incident. And he did he, he did something wrong enough to witnesses because the young boy wasn't even touched. You know, the young boy's going to eventually say, well, my brother did it. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, it, it's sad nowadays that kids feel they have to do that to their parents instead of talking to them. Very true. Very true indeed. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, a man's accused of killing his half-brother on Christmas while he was searching for his missing phone, of all things. Uh, And also, uh, when we come back, a Michigan woman is headed to trial for allegedly torturing her boyfriend's 80-year-old mom and then restraining her to the bed. Oh, no. Some interesting stories when we come back. It's ripped from the headlines today. And, of course, we've got dumb crime, stupid criminals on the way on the best in true crime podcasting. This is True Crime Tuesday. Welcome back to the Best in True Crime Podcasting. This is True Crime Tuesday. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Over there is Beer City Bruiser. Together, we're known as the Cruiser and Bruiser. It is ripped from the headlines. And later on, dumb crime, stupid criminals. Bruiser, a man is accused of killing his half-brother on Christmas because, of all things, he was searching for his missing phone while doing so. (laughs) I can't think of a weirder headline than... Whoops, I killed my half-brother accidentally while looking for my phone. Those two things don't add up. No, it doesn't unless you're using like a sword or something and poking into a hay bale and he just happens to be hiding in there. <laughs> and of course, if you're going to do both things together, you can only be from one place while doing these two things. Yeah. You have to be from Florida. Well, of course you do. Although this took place in Illinois, uh, the man who committed this is, of course, from Florida. Ah, okay. So he traveled to Illinois. Gotcha. Yes, yes. We go to Naperville, Florida, where a Florida man, 
I'm sorry, Naperville, Illinois, where a Florida man uh, faces charges after allegedly killing his half brother in Illinois on Christmas over a missing cell phone. <laughs> Have you ever been so angry over your cell phone that you wanted to kill somebody? No, but I've been so angry I wanted to kill the person on the other line trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, there's that. Uh, according to the DePage County State's Attorney's Office, on Christmas, shortly after 3 p.m., DePage County Sheriff's Office deputies responded to a home on Wood Court in reference to a person shot. Once their deputies located the victim, who was James Watson, inside the residence, suffering from an apparent gunshot wound to his abdomen, he was rushed to a local hospital and pronounced dead, which is not funny, by the way. No. Uh, prosecutors alleged the victim was in the downstairs area of the home and became upset because he couldn't find his cell phone. He reportedly slammed a card table on the floor, and the victim's half-brother, 28-year-old Kendall Yarborough, who was upstairs in another part of the house, allegedly shot down towards Watson, striking him in the abdomen. Okay. Bizarre. This is very bizarre. Family members called 911 and rendered aid until the deputies arrived. Officials recovered a 9mm Sig Sauer P365X handgun and spent and one spent 9mm bullet casing at the scene. Deputies apprehended Yarborough without incident. According to the state attorney's office, Yarborough was charged with two counts of first-degree murder, and he first appeared in court the next day on December 26th. DuPage County State's Attorney Bob Berlin said in a statement, the senseless act of violence will not go unpunished. To James's family and friends, I offer my sincere condolences and wish them strength as they mourn the loss of a family member. I, does that make any sense to you? No sense whatsoever. The whole time you're reading the article, I'm just confused. <laughs> this is the kid who did the shooting. He just looks like he's blank. Like, the, like he, he's he has not no affected. emotion whatsoever. Yeah. Like it just a complete psychopath. Like, like he just, you know, like he spilled a bowl of cereal on the, on the carpet. Yeah. He just looks like, okay, well, I shot my brother, my half brother. Oh, well. yeah. Like no big deal. I'm just going on with my life. Some things are just bizarre and, and unexplained. Let's move on. An ex-boyfriend is accused of killing a missing St. Louis mother of four. This is a tragic story out of St. Louis. Prosecutors are charging a 31-year-old man with murder after his ex-girlfriend was found dead in Illinois over a week after she went missing. On December 23rd, the St. Louis Prosecuting Attorney's Office issued an arrest warrant on Trenton Ivy for first-degree murder in connection with Marquisha Williams' death. Williams' family reported her missing to the St. Louis County Police Department on December 20th. Investigators learned Williams was last seen with Ivy in her 2020 Jeep Compass. Ivy was booked into the Racine County Jail in Wisconsin on unrelated charges on Friday, December 22nd, though he was reportedly driving Williams' car. Police said there was apparent blood and biological material in the vehicle, as well as some of Williams' personal belongings. Ivy allegedly confessed to killing 29-year-old Williams during a physical fight in St. Louis. Uh, he reportedly also admitted to disposing of her body in an unknown location. Illinois State Police reportedly discovered her body on Thursday, December 28th. Williams leaves behind four children. Oh, it's so sad. That is. That is. A Michigan woman headed to trial for allegedly torturing her boyfriend's 80-year-old mom and restraining her to the bed bruiser. Oh, this is anytime that you're hurting kids or older people, I, my heart goes out to them. Most definitely. Especially 80. Yeah, that, that, that just is a bizarre, bizarre thing all the way around. We go to Sterling Heights, Michigan. A 40 year old woman 
faces trial for allegedly attacking her boyfriend's elderly mother in June. The Macomb County Prosecutor's Office announced on December 28th that Laura Tisdell was formally charged and bound over to court in connection with the alleged torture and abuse of her boyfriend's 80-year-old mother. According to the prosecutor's office, on Wednesday, June 21st, Tisdale's boyfriend came home from a five-day trip and found his mother restrained to the bed, severely beaten, and laying in her own urine and feces. Oh, see? That's just wrong. Very wrong. Officials transported the victim to the hospital to treat her for critical injuries. Tisdell was reportedly the victim's sole caregiver at the time. Prosecutors charged Tisdell with torture, first-degree vulnerable adult abuse, unlawful imprisonment, and domestic violence. Tisdell is set to appear in court again on Monday, January 8th of 2024. Uh, in a statement, Macomb County Prosecutor Peter Lucido said, We are committed to pursuing justice for the alleged torture and abuse inflicted upon this elderly woman. This commitment drives us to passionately advocate for the dignity and well-being of individuals who are unable to protect themselves. This is the scummy perpetrator of our crime here, Bruce. She looks like scum. Doesn't she? She looks like she she just doesn't have a caring bone in her body. No, she looks like she uses and abuses people. I, I just don't... Uh, I mean, I get that the boyfriend had every intention of wanting to care for his mother. Right. But if he knows that the the girlfriend doesn't have the tendency or the capability of caring for her, do you think he just didn't care too? Maybe it came down to he didn't have the month no need to put her in a place where she could be taken care of. And he doesn't have siblings. So it comes down, it falls on him that he yeah. has to take care of her. You know, my thing is you got to, I hate to say that your partner, but be like, hey, this is what's going on with my mom. I can't afford anything else. And if there's some sort of blowback from it, then you might have to rethink what you're going to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Very true. And finally, on uh, Rip from the Headlines today, a suspect posed as his wife's ex-boyfriend and stalked her before killing her. Okay. Unfortunately, I've, I've heard of stories like this where they do that because now with social media, you can basically be anybody. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's it's a case of stalking taken to the extreme. A man accused of murdering his wife reportedly spent weeks impersonating her ex-boyfriend and stalking her before killing her. That according to a newly released arrest affidavit. 43-year-old Daniel Krug charged with first-degree murder after deliberation, criminal impersonation, and two counts of stalking in the death of his wife, 43-year-old Crystal Krug. An arrest affidavit uh, states that Broomfield police responded to reports of harassment from Crystal Krug, who believed she was receiving threatening and explicit messages from an ex-boyfriend. Crystal Krug and her ex-boyfriend broke up in 2000 after dating for a little over a year. In the years since, she told officers that her ex contacted her at least four times and messages included propositions for sexual encounters and rude comments. The affidavit states that he did not previously report him because he stopped communications when she did not respond. This past year, on October 2nd, Crystal Krug received a text message that police now believe was from Daniel Krug post posing as the ex-boyfriend. In the message, he offered to meet with Crystal to hook up. Uh, when she did not respond, an additional text on October 3rd insulted her and encouraged her to kill herself. <laughs> nice guy. So he's trying to go the route of texting. 
and now it's not him, so she dies. It's not his fault type thing. Right, exactly. Then it's, yeah. it's the ex-boyfriend, not him. The affidavit states that Crystal Krug decided to open a case with the police on October 31st when she received an email that threatened her husband and included a photo of him exiting his car at his workplace. Oh, look at this guy. He thinks he's clever. From the time she filed the report to her death on December 14th, Crystal Krug received eight more texts and emails from Daniel Krug posing as the ex-boyfriend, all containing explicit content and proposals. Two of the messages in early November implied that she was being stalked. One message correctly stated that her license plate tags were expired, and another implied that the sender followed her to a dentist appointment on November 9th. Another message on November 13th threatened Daniel Krug, stating that he didn't deserve or satisfy his wife and that he could save her. That's, oh my gosh. Isn't that creepy? That's scary. The message quoted in the affidavit reads in part, You belong with me. I'll get rid of him and then we can be together. They let me park and walk right into his workplace. Give me the signal and he won't come home. Oh, geez. That is bizarre. That's very bizarre. After receiving this message, Glendale police officers were sent to Daniel Krug's workplace to ensure his safety. And Broomfield detectives checked on Crystal as well to determine that they were both unharmed. The affidavit states that around noon on December 14th, Daniel Krug contacted the police saying that he was concerned that he could not reach his wife. While performing a welfare check, police found Crystal in the garage with a substantial wound near her right temple. Preliminary information from her autopsy showed that she sustained two or more blunt force trauma wounds on the back of her head and one stab wound on the left side of her chest. After Crystal's death, police obtained the IP address behind the messages and found that Believe it or not, it all or, uh, it all originated from a public Wi-Fi network at Daniel Krug's workplace, which his supervisor then confirmed. They need to take stalking cases more seriously. That should have been done right from the get-go when she got a threatening, you exactly, the life-threatening, not just a oh I'm watching, oh I'm doing no, but like I'm going to murder your husband. Okay, hey, guess what? We follow this IP back. That's right. That's a threat. At that point, you trace yeah. the IP back and figure out yeah. who's making the threat. Yeah. Yeah. In addition, the Utah County Sheriff's Office and data from license plate readers confirmed that the ex-boyfriend was near his residence in Utah at the time of Crystal Krug's death. Flight records obtained by police did not show that the ex-boyfriend was a passenger on any commercial flights at the time. While investigating, police also found that three of Krug's four security cameras were offline at the time of Crystal Krug's death. The affidavit states that Daniel Krug cannot provide an explanation for the cameras being offline. Okay. So he disconnected them. Yep. The affidavit details a statement from Daniel Krug's mother-in-law stating that Crystal and Daniel Krug were planning on getting a divorce and described their relationship as not good. Also in the affidavit was a statement from Crystal's stepmother in which she and the, or she had said that the Krugs had marital problems and that Daniel was sometimes rough with the kids. She also stated that Crystal planned to use a photo of injuries on one of the children's arms to obtain full custody after the divorce. Daniel has been in custody since December 16th. The affidavit states that in an interview with police on the day of Crystal's death, he denied killing his wife and having anything to do with her death. So there you go. He thinks he's going to get away with it because it was with the ex-boyfriend's account. Well, guess what? IP addresses they can track. And if they can track you back there and they can find your whereabouts, they'll nail you. 
That's right. And I want to thank uh, our, our listeners. One of our listeners sent in that, that story. So, Oh, thank you. There you go. So that is ripped from the headlines for today. So with that, we're going to lighten things up a little bit. It's time now for Dumb Crimes and Stupid Criminals. It's, it's Crayon News Story Time. What happened with this dude, Christ Bearer? I heard he uh, cut his penis off and then jumped off a balcony. Suspect pulls gun from butt, shoots twice at Denver police. What is your emergency? I need help. And what's the problem? I'm too high. You're too high? Yeah. It's that time you've all been looking forward to. It's time now, once again, for Dumb Crimes and Stupid Criminals. I don't need to introduce him one more time. There he is, the BCB, the big cuddly bear himself, Bear City Bruiser. Hi, everybody. Bruiser, we're going to start it off this week. Uh, you know, you, you get the police chases with, with drug suspects, and of course they try to find a way to, de- you know, throw their drugs out the window or get rid of their drugs. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing you don't want to do when you're, Possessing potent drugs, however, is what? If you're possessing potent drugs? Yeah. You got to watch where you're throwing them. You don't want to throw them in the public, you know, or someone can get a hold of them. Sure, but the other thing you probably don't want to do is... I am, I'm lost. Chug them all. Oh, yeah, I definitely don't want to take them all. <laughs> yeah. Well, this police suspect was being uh, chased and took fentanyl and chugged it with Mountain Dew. Evidently, yeah, the, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, evidently the uh, the drug uh, the drug reverser. I don't know. Does Mountain Dew reduce the effects of fentanyl? If anything, I think it increases because of the sugar. Oh, maybe it, it could be the well. Fentanyl's a downer, and Mountain Dew is just I don't know the meth of the soda industry, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. I think it is. <laughs> we go to Portland, Oregon, and a wanted felon was arrested after a police chase from Astoria to Banks, during which a BMW hit speeds of 120 miles an hour and continued on flat tires before the driver allegedly took fentanyl and washed it down with Mountain Dew. <laughs> well. Grab what you got. <laughs> That's right. Uh, take it if you got it. I don't know. Uh, just before 2.30 a.m., Washington County deputies responded to a call from Astoria Police to help find a reckless driver who eluded police from a traffic stop. Astoria Police tried to pull over a silver 2004 BMW for a traffic violation. However, the driver sped towards Warrington at 120 miles per hour, heading east on Highway 26. Washington County deputies were able to get behind the car near Highway 26 and Highway 47, but the driver took off. The driver identified as 30-year-old Joshua Skeets. I've heard many rap songs about him. (laughs) So have I. Mm -hmm. From the windows to the walls. Uh, Continued driving on flat tires heading into banks after authorities tried to slow the BMW with spike strips. That trick never works. Uh, after authorities pinned the BMW, Skeets took a powdered substance believed to be fentanyl and chased it with Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Uh, officials say Skeets was taken to a local hospital by ambulance before he was lodged at Washington County Jail, where he had lots of good stories for all the inmates. Yeah, and if you was hoping to OD, guess what? You're not going to. (laughs) They're going to get that Narcan in you before you can OD. That's right. Uh, Skeets faces charges of several uh, 
several kinds, including unlawful possession of a controlled substance, felon in possession of a restricted weapon, two counts of recklessly endangering another person in reckless driving. He also had two Clark County warrants and a Beaverton Municipal County warrant. This guy's just going for the trifecta. He is, yeah. Authorities said there were two other people in the car, including 30-year-old Savannah Lalonde, who was booked in jail for a warrant out of Skamania County. Skamania County is running wild, by the way. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Uh, The other passenger who was not identified was released at the scene. Uh, You you had two other people in there. Just pass it out. Here, you swallow this. Here, you swallow this. I'll swallow this. I got a Mountain Dew right here. (laughs) You take some. You take some. Well, take a shot of Mountain Dew. We're all good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Then we don't risk ODing, and we all go to jail happy. (laughs) That's right. I want to thank Tony and uh, all the gang for sending in the stories this week. Uh, We we got quite a few of them, so we've got lots of fun stories, including this one. A Waukesha County court dismisses a charge against a Brookfield man who police mistook as a suspect. Okay. I used to live out there. Do they mistake a lot of people for suspects? Yes. <laughs> I'm, I hate to say it, but they do. Whoops. So this isn't unusual, what I'm about to no. read here? Okay. No. <laughs> a uh, misdemeanor, not, not at all. A misdemeanor charge filed against a Brookfield man who was mistaken as a suspect, tased and arrested by Brookfield Police Department officers in November has been dismissed. The prosecution filed a motion to dismiss the charge on Thursday in Waukesha County. Court Commissioner Christopher Bailey ordered the charge be dismissed. Let this man be free, even though he should have been free in the first place. (laughs) Uh, Sean Starr was charged on December 11th with resisting and obstructing an officer, probably because he was not guilty, about a month after the incident that left him feeling traumatized and three days after the journal Sentinel published a story about his arrest. Ooh, it got to the press. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Good for you, Sean. Yeah. The court dismissed the matter without prejudice, which means charges could be refiled. Oh, they're they're getting they're getting catty about it. The police are like, hey, we're going to find something on you. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> bound, they're bound to determine now that you put them in the press, they're pissed yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. They're like, hey, we got you now. Yeah. William Sultan, president of the ACLU Board of Directors and attorney who represented Starr in court, said Thursday the couple plans to sue the Brookfield Police Department. That's why the charges may be refiled. Yep, because the police, the Brookfield Police Department do not like black eyes, and they have a lot. Yep. They, um, they're in a full-scale full pissing match here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this will go all the way up, too. Yep. Sultan was retained by, or as counsel, rather, by Starr on December 19th. After the Journal Sentinel reached out to Sultan and the ACLU of Wisconsin to review and analyze footage of Starr's arrest, on the night of November 3rd, Starr and his partner Carla Jones had just unloaded couches into their new Brookfield townhouse north of Greenfield Avenue when they got into their truck to leave their street. Around the same time, officers with the Brookfield Police Department arrived at the same street in search of Christopher Bratz, who is a suspect in the report of a physical abuse of a child. Officers believe Bratz to be armed with a knife. Uh, according to Brookfield Assistant Police Chief Chris Garcia, officers saw a Chevy Silverado pulling away near Bratt's residence. When the officer shined his flashlight on the driver, he observed a white man with a beard and bald head looking at him. What, we all look alike? <laughs> <laughs> it was Star in the vehicle, but police thought it was Bratt's. Ah, uh, the classic white man bald with a beard syndrome. 
it's so different than see now it's like haha how do you the black people are like how do you guys like it huh look yeah, at that huh yeah. how do you like it what we all look alike what you're gonna get out and gaffle us yeah yeah uh body cam footage shows star going from being in his vehicle talking to officers to being taken to the ground by three officers tased and handcuffed within two minutes <laughs> oh yeah they like to, the brookfield police like to swing their dick they do Star couldn't confirm his identity to the officers because his ID was in his other car. Oh, see, you always have to carry your ID. You do. But the thing is, if you give them your name and your information, they can pull that up on their computer. Uh, but see, Bruiser, got to have your ID. It's no, no you do. i absolutely right. But yeah. I know for a fact with Brookfield Police, if you give them your name, your social security number, they can pull it up. It will come up. Your picture will come up. Your driver's license will come up on okay. their screen. Okay. About 15, <laughs> about 15 to 20 minutes passed before a lieutenant confirmed to Jones that Star resembled the man they were looking for, but was not the correct person. Whoopsie. He looks exactly like the gentleman that we're looking for, Lieutenant Carl Turek told Jones in a police body camera video. If he simply would have gotten out and cooperated with us, he wouldn't be in this situation. <laughs> that was the quote. Of course it was. Yep. Uh, Jones shared the latest update on the dismissed resisting charge on a fundraiser page she shed, uh, she set up to cover legal fees, medical expenses, and relocation costs for Star and their family because they don't want to be in the same neighborhood. He might get gaffled again. Oh, yeah. uh, because of the incident, the couple plans to move their family of five out of Brookfield, even though they just moved to the city in October. Um, thank you, everyone, for the continued uh, support, she wrote. Relocation is now prior to the lovely couple that, that got beaten on the side of the road. There you go. There they are. They're a lovely couple. I don't think he's bald. I'm bald. No, he's not bald at all. No. He's got as much hair as I do. Yeah, exactly. So It's not a lot, but there's still hair there. Yeah. I mean, the beard needs to be trimmed. Just saying. It's, and it's winter. Of, it's kind of unkept, especially for fall. Yeah. You know, he needs kind of a, he needs a Manscaped trimmer is what he needs. <laughs> yes, Please he come does. back, Manscaped. Uh, let's uh, move on. A 76-year-old man finds a wife battling an attacker, and he starts shooting. What I, you should do with your wife. Yeah. And again, this is a Florida story. I swear we read this story three months ago. We might have. But it happened again. <laughs> it might happen a lot. <laughs> it's the standard ground thing in Florida. It, yeah. It happens a lot. Castle law. Mm -hmm. A burglary suspect was sent running for his life when a 76-year-old Florida homeowner heard his wife's screams and began shooting. This just happened on the 28th. Okay. <laughs> so this is just the thing in Florida. Yeah. The intruder was wounded but survived to be arrested in the street by deputies, according to the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office. <laughs> I think this is a weekly thing, actually, in it Florida. Is. The yeah. Pinellas Police Department are like, okay, we'll be there. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. <laughs> Hold your horses. Stop the bleeding. Apply pressure. The homeowner was not hurt, but his wife suffered non-life-threatening injuries in the attack. It happened around 3 a.m. on Wednesday, December 27th in the North Reddington Beach area. It's a coastal community just west of St. Petersburg. Deputies were summoned to the residential neighborhood by reports of a man standing in the road and yelling, which is also he's, common in Florida. He's probably yelling, hey, I just got shot. Somebody help me. <laughs> yeah. Well, deputies were re responding to the initial call. A second 911 call was received at 
3.23 a.m. at 208 Bath Club Boulevard North. That just sounds like a bad neighborhood, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds either like a bad neighborhood or a neighborhood where a certain kind of swinging community hangs out. Hey, now. Uh, reportedly a residential burglary, according to the sheriff's office. Uh, that's what they had said. Upon arrival, the deputies located a man in the roadway at Bath Club Boulevard with a single gunshot wound. The wounded 51-year-old man, too old to be committing a burglary, by the way. Yeah, why are you doing that at that age? Yeah. Also proved to be the burglary suspect out in the middle of the road screaming with a gunshot wound. He is accused <laughs> of gaining entry in a home by smashing out a front window with a rock. Did he have a gun? No, he didn't have a gun. The other guy. No, he did. The other guy, the homeowner had a gun. Okay. Uh, Once inside the residence, he encountered a 74-year-old woman and began struggling with her physically. Her husband heard her scream his name in distress and saw her struggling with a man. Fearing for his and his wife's safety, he retrieved his firearm and shot the man once in the right shoulder. Good shot. Yeah. Yeah. Non-lethal, but enough to get get him off. That's right. The guy's lucky he didn't die. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially with a civilian shooting you. Yeah. Uh, nice shot. He's lucky he only got shot once. Yeah. That's a lot of restraint. Yeah. I would, if I were that guy, I would have went back in the house and shook his hand. But although you would have got <laughs> shot again. The suspect fled the home, then tried to break into another residence on the street. This guy is not smart. Guy, dude, you know what? Just count your chickens and go home that's first right. house had a gun cool all the houses have guns i'm leaving that's, yeah <laughs> you know what you get shot at the first house you probably should walk it off and go home yeah your odds are not well that's right <laughs> after the failed second burglary attempt he fled down the street where he was stopped by responding deputies the suspect was taken to a hospital for treatment of non-life-threatening injuries he's charged with burglary with battery and attempted residential burglary according to the sheriff's office i you know There's something to be said about dumb crimes, stupid criminals. (laughs) That's for sure. Uh, This woman, by the way, if you think being shot's bad, maybe being beaten with a Christmas tree is even worse. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you got to figure out a way to recycle your Christmas tree. Why not just beat people with it? Yeah, you you know, you can make it into a bat. (laughs) If it's a real tree. That's right. If it's a real tree. Well, you know, it's even better if it's a metal tree. Yeah, the fake tree. <laughs> because you can beat people all year round. Yeah, and you can break it into three different sizes. So you can have a, a short one for like close combat or a medium sized one for medium combat or a long one for those big baseball swings you want to take. That's right. Or break all three of them down. You got three fishing whackers. Take them out on the lake with you. Exactly. Yeah. It was a Christmas miracle gone wrong, Bruiser. Police charged at a 20 year old woman. By the way, is this lady right here worth it to get beaten with a Christmas tree by? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> she kind of looks like the bride of young Frankenstein, doesn't she? I was going to say, if you put white in her hair, she's the bride of Frankenstein. Isn't she? Yeah. She's kind of cute for spooky. Just saying. Uh, police charged that a 20-year-old woman repeatedly beat her boyfriend with a Christmas tree during a pre-dawn skirmish at the Paris florida residents of course it is Mm -hmm. on december 24th according to a court filing 20 year old miracle rivera god love you lady and the victim who was 24 years old see that was his problem he wanted a younger one yeah yeah and he went for a stripper he did wow while you're casting aspersions that miracle's a stripper the name like miracle you know she's a stripper i have a cousin named miracle she's not a stripper oh okay 
<laughs> See, I got you on that one. I, I bet you she had thought about it at some point in time. No, she's a good God-fearing girl. <laughs> okay. No. She's one in a million. Normally when they got Miracle or Chastity or Shaniqua. <laughs> wow. Or Destiny. Mm. They become strippers. You want to give out your email address so you can get those ladies <laughs> to email you and complain? <laughs> Just Watch, saying. you just wait. It'll come out. She was, She's a stripper, I bet. All right, let's read the story and find out. Uh, Miracle engaged in a verbal altercation with said fella about infidelity early on Sunday morning. See? Oh, she's accusing him of cheating on Christmas Eve. Yeah, see? He was trying to put it in somebody's stocking, if you know what I mean. See? She probably grabbed the wrong gift. One, who's Star? <laughs> He went, that's my other stripper girlfriend. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, in the bedroom of their St. Petersburg home. Ooh, see, she, she, she caught him and, and confronted him right there in the bedroom. Maybe he had a new move. Maybe. And she was like, where'd you learn that? Uh, you've never done that to me before. See, cops say the victim separated himself from Rivera and relocated to the living room where he thought he was staying for the night around 3.40 a.m. on Christmas Eve. Rivera allegedly followed the man into the living room where he was lying on the couch when Rivera picked up a Christmas tree with incredible Hulk-like strength and began to strike the victim with it repeatedly. I don't know that I want Miracle around if she can strike me with a Christmas tree, ornaments and all. I was going to say with the ornaments and stuff, that's going to hurt. I think you've got a new student for wrestling school. (laughs) I got to get out of the strip club first. Oh, come on. (laughs) The size of the tree is not detailed in the criminal complaint, probably because he would be embarrassed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The tree battering investigators allege resulted in the victim sustaining numerous minor scratches over much of his upper body and arms. Rivera was subsequently arrested for domestic battery and booked into the county jail. She was released from custody around 2.40 p.m. on Christmas Day and is pleaded not guilty to the misdemeanor count. She was also put on Santa's naughty list and received nothing. I'm surprised she got on Christmas Day. What court's letting her on on Christmas Day? I might have got off from a nice deputy. (laughs) Who's seen her at the club? Uh, Oh, come on now. (laughs) A judge has ordered Rivera to have no illegal contact with the victim. What does that mean? She can't break the law with him. Okay. With whom (laughs) Rivera has resided for with for two years. So they've been together for two years and living under the same roof. The tree was not seized as evidence, by the way. So they could have a a Merry Christmas after all. They let her put the tree back up. I guess so. That had to be an awkward Christmas day opening presents. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I got a couple of food stories and then uh, our not safe for work category. Yeah. And boy, do we have a a lengthy one today. A lot of people getting naked around the holidays. Well, of course, solidus. Got to be naked. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. And I'm talking about lining them all up and having a Merry Christmas, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, Food stories. Here we go. According to cops, a pastor tried to deep fry a McDonald's cook. Oh, don't do that. No, no, we need that's them. not holy at all. <laughs> no, we need them to make our food. Yeah, yeah, not be our food. Yeah, uh, we're going to North Carolina. Oh, okay. We're at le- what's that? 
Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> a friendly state where we don't deep fry our meat, we deep fry our workers. <laughs> Latoya Gladney, a 44-year-old manager in training at a McDonald's in North Carolina, told police that her employers, employees rather, were disrespecting her last night, so she called her husband to her sister. Okay. <laughs> she Okay. Yes. So... Uh, boy, if you want to call somebody to assist you when your employees are acting up, none other than 57-year-old church pastor Dwayne Waden shows up to the scene. And Is this one of those situations where, like, when you were a kid, your mom went, wait till your father gets home? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in like, this, wait till my husband gets here. But in this case, your father has the hand of God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dwayne Waden, 57-year-old church pastor, subsequently arrived at the restaurant in High Point, North Carolina. He chose not to turn the other cheek in this case. Cops say that... No, no. Of course, cops say that Waden walked into the kitchen and began punching Theodore Garlington, a McDonald's cook, in the face. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Waden also allegedly wrapped his hands around Garlington's neck and began pushing his head towards the deep fryer. Oh, no. Yeah. This is a little bit of that, uh, what do you call it? That's uh, What was that movie that uh, by, um, you know, Samuel L. Jackson was in and he had the Jerry Curl and... Pulp uh, Fiction? Yeah, a little Pulp Fiction justice. Yeah. Yeah. Why could I not think of Pulp Fiction? I don't know. It's a great movie. I know. I don't know. Before 34-year-old Garlington, uh, who we can't believe is still working as a deep fry cook at McDonald's. He's 34 working at McDonald's. Wow, rough times. Yeah. Uh, Could be dipped in hot oil. Several employees interceded pulling Waden uh, off of the victim. Let me show you a picture of our pastor who came in and delivered justice. Whoa. Yeah, as a gangsta pastor. That's one bad motherfucker right there, boy. He he that looks like a Fuji's album cover. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. He is he's like the uh, Sugnite of pastors. When I said he delivered the hand of God, he delivered the hand of God, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I would not want to yeah. get I if I, I he'd put the fear of God in me. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it looks like a pulp fiction movie. It does. Yeah. He does. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Garlington suffered a large contusion to the forehead and right eye, along with scratches on his neck. While EMS workers responded to the scene, Garlington chose to have relatives transport him to the hospital, evidently because he couldn't pay the bill. (laughs) He's lucky, though. He's lucky he didn't get burnt more. Yeah, he's lucky he didn't take a, a hot oil bath. Yeah. Yeah. After High Point Police Department officers interviewed witnesses and reviewed store security footage, Waden was arrested for assault. How much do you think Pastor Waden's bond was? How much do you think he had to dip into the church till in order to get out of jail? Five grand. Believe it or not, in North Kakalaki, when you go in and put some McDonald's workers into line, it only costs you a thousand bucks. Oh, that's it. Okay. That's okay. it. And a January 22nd misdemeanor trial was scheduled for Pastor Wade. Misdemeanor? Misdemeanor. I would think it would get more than a misdemeanor. He tried to fry the guy's face. Well, when you go in, you have to smack a bitch up at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> you got to smack a bitch up. Evidently, they, they know that every once in a while, you got to put a McDonald's worker in line. You do. You do. Yeah, they put it into perspective, I guess. According to his Facebook page, Waden works as a semi-truck driver and is pastor of Elevated Life International Ministries. By the way, you don't want to be a parishioner at, at that church. No. 
Because no, if, no, I'd be terrified to be a parishioner at that church. Because if you don't tithe twenty percent on Sunday, <laughs> he's getting his twenty percent. <laughs> you're gonna feel the head, the hand of God. Let me tell you. Yeah, you're walking out, and he's blessing you, and he'll. Hey, did you pay today? Huh? <laughs> you're gonna see some baby powder go into his right hand and go. You put that twenty percent in the in the basket. <laughs> uh, which recently celebrated its second anniversary. It's a new church. Oh, okay. It's a new church. Yeah. Wayden's Church, where the slogan is, where hope starts and life begins. Or, in other words, your mama brought you in, I'm going to take you out. (laughs) Has operated from a storefront space next door to Bueno Burrito in Thomasville. Okay. Yeah. So it's an upstanding church. It is. It is unclear what effect last night's melee will have on Gladney's managerial aspirations at McDonald's. Um, I don't think it's in the employee handbook to call the pastor when you're having employee <laughs> problems. I think I'm going to have to stop by a local McDonald's go, can I see your handbook for a second? Just want to look up the past, pastor segment. <laughs> nope, nothing. Okay, okay. What about calling your husband because you can't control your employees? Yeah, anything about pastoral enforcement on on, <laughs> on righteous employees? I just wondering. Hand of God stuff in here? No, no, no? nothing. Nothing. Put me in the friar pits of hell? No, nothing. <laughs> friar pits of hell. <laughs> and you shall fry at the bottom of the fry pit. I do declare. Yeah. I, boy, I tell you, that's a rough one. <laughs> Just saying, that's a rough one. A Sacramento man has been found asleep in a fast food parking lot with 200 pounds of marijuana. That's a lot of marijuana. Well, you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna chow down, you need a little something to stimulate the appetite. Appetite, appetite. <laughs> By God, I feel like maybe I've had a little bit of that two hundred pounds. We're going to Sacramento. Hopefully, this guy didn't eat it like the fentanyl guy. God, I hope not. Uh, actually, <laughs> <laughs> that would be rough on the stomach. I would think you'd have to maybe boil it down to a little oil. Maybe that's why he had two hundred pounds. Maybe, yeah, you know. I, I wouldn't be scared of ODing. I'd just be scared of just being lazy. Yeah, that's true. Taking a nap in the parking lot. Maybe that's why he was passed out. <laughs> a Sacramento man was arrested by Marysville police who said they found him passed out Thursday morning in his car in a McDonald's parking lot. Here we go. All it's right. always at the McDonald's. Yeah. How come Burger King, Burger King doesn't get this trouble? They're not 24 hours like McDonald's is. Oh, that's true. Uh, they found him passed out in a car at a McDonald's parking lot and accused him of having more than 200 pounds of marijuana for a drug deal. Oh, the guy was selling it. Officers were stopped at about 10.50 a.m. and told of a man asleep in his car parked at a McDonald's. They found a 52-year-old Sacramento resident asleep in the driver's seat. Why is he sleeping so early? Well, you know us old guys got to get our naps in. <laughs> That's that's how we. You gotta are. be fresh for that two hundred pound drug deal, huh? Well, yeah, I mean that's a lot of a lot of weed to deal, you know. Ah, gotcha, you gotcha. Know. The man is accused of having two hundred seven pounds of marijuana, drug paraphernalia, and a ghost handgun. Wow, this guy was up to date on his hand yeah. handguns. Yeah, he reportedly told officers he was headed to Oroville to sell the marijuana. Also, he was up front. Yeah, look at him being nice. Like, yeah. hey, I got all this weed. I'm going to, to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to Oroville to uh, deal a little weed, officer. I figured I'd just tell you. <laughs> I am at a point in my life where honesty is my best policy. I got a great nap in. This is where I'm going. I'm feeling good. 
Yep. I'm just wondering if he'll give me a police escort to the city city limits. <laughs> and we can be on our way. I'm just an honest businessman. Just trying to make some money. That's I know right. it's legal now. Yeah. Well, not in that respect, no. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't be a traveling salesman and do that stuff. No, 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 no. Yeah. But he, he's, he's just trying to help the people that can't afford the dispensary prices. That's right. Yeah. They're, they are, boy, they are high. Oh, God, yeah. Dispensary yeah. prices are out of control. Especially up by you. Boy, are they ever. Holy cow. Uh, police said the 52-year-old man faces charges of transporting marijuana with intent to sell it, having a ghost firearm, carrying a concealed firearm in a vehicle, illegally carrying a firearm and ammunition, having a firearm with more than 10 rounds, and having drug paraphernalia. Ghost guns are illegal, by the way, privately manufactured firearms don't do it kids the suspect was booked into yuba county jail where he's in custody thursday what do you think his bail is bruiser well with all that and the guns and stuff he's got to be up there in like the 10 grand go a little higher really okay so let's go twenty five thousand. i'll give you one more shot at this a hundred thousand. Yes. Yeah. A hundred thousand dollars. With that much weed and guns, yeah. Yeah. But it's the ghost gun stuff. Well, I'm not familiar. What is ghost gun? Ghost guns are, are manufactured guns. So there's ghost guns can be made uh through three D printers. Okay, okay, yep. So they're harder to trace. Gotcha. Yeah, yep. So they're they're untraceable or they're they're three D printed guns. Yep. So yeah, they have no serial numbers. You can't you can't trace them through the system. So that's major felony. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what they those are. That's what most of that charge is. Yeah, he's going to go to jail for a while, not because of the drugs. Yeah, the two hundred and seven pounds of weed that they could you know give a crap about. It's the yeah. it's the ghost gun stuff that they they're going to ring him up on. So uh, let's move on. A woman sues West Jordan police. Alleging wrongful arrest. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, not safe for work stuff. I got to oh, stop okay. you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Here comes the boobies and beer. Boobies and beer, beer and boobies. Uh, so if you happen to be listening to this, you're freshly back to the office. You've said uh, happy new year to your boss. Uh, they can barely smell the booze on your breath from <laughs> from all the new year's festivities. You're freshly rested from watching all that college football on TV. Um it's time now for you to turn down your listening device, put your earbuds in, get the kids away from the listening device. They don't want to hear this part. By gosh, you don't want to, you know, like the other stuff we've been talking about, you probably shouldn't have been listening to either around the kids. But um, it's time now for the not safe for work stuff of dumb crime, stupid criminals. Here we go in five, four, three, two, one. All right. Boobies and beer, beer and boobies. Here we go. <laughs> A woman sues the West Jordan police alleging wrongful arrest while she was naked in her hotel room, Bruiser. Oh, okay. Well, that's where you want to be naked. Well, yeah. God love our listeners. They sent this, huh? They want to hear the naked stuff as much as we do. (laughs) They want to hear us giggle like two-year-olds. That's why. I got to tell you, one of our stories... No sooner did I watch it on the news than it was in my inbox (laughs) five minutes before I saw it on the news. And it was a big story on the news here locally. Okay. All right. Just to give you an idea, we have a story of a professor in Wisconsin. It was a naughty professor. Naughty, naughty professor. We'll tell you about that in a little bit. But first, let's get to this woman in Salt Lake City. 
A woman a is naked woman. Naked woman in her hotel room suing West Jordan police, alleging several officers violated her right or when they rather mistakenly arrested her at a hotel in September, dragging her outside in handcuffs, naked from the waist down. They usually let you put your pants on. Well, not if you need to air it out. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Sherry Meyer filed the civil lawsuit earlier this month in third judicial court seeking damages for what her attorneys described as a highly embarrassing and traumatic ordeal. She alleges five officers violated her Fourth Amendment rights. Wait a minute. Is that in the Fourth Amendment? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But... (laughs) <laughs> obviously they think it is that was <laughs> you have to wear pants if i remember right let me see I, we did constitutional law back in high school in honors history i think the fourth amendment was thou shalt cover up the clam <laughs> it's not no shirt no shoes no service no no no, no, no. <laughs> um why was she only naked from the waist down too like they let her put her shirt on? <laughs> okay, you're good. Here we well, go. Well, it was probably the towel was too short. Okay. Yeah, that's probably what it was. I got to cover up the boobies, but hey, you know what? We got to let the beaver run free. That's, well, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. A, uh, <laughs> God. You know, have I ever told you about the chat room's aversion to not seeing the uh, ladies downstairs, the lady trap? Oh, yeah. They always report the bots. Yes, the bots, whenever the bots come up in the chat room. By the way, if you've never been to our chat room at Darkness Radio, uh, the Darkness Radio Facebook chat, uh, please come on in, join us. We, we talk about the paranormal, true crime, all that other stuff. Uh, mainly we like to just chat amongst ourselves, but there's lots yeah. of, of porn bots that like to come into the room. And whenever they do, everybody likes to shout at me to get rid of them within five seconds. Um, <laughs> Even though you might be doing something. That's yes. what I love is like, yeah. I know he's not getting this. And, and Mrs. Bruce would be like, why? I'm like, because he's getting his cast changed or he's, yeah, or it's three he's in editing the morning. right now or yeah. he's not on his phone right now because I tried to get a hold of him. And, yep. and she'll be like, oh, well, can you do it? I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, but trust me. Yeah. Our, our chat group people will let you know. Oh, and they, <laughs> they scream and holler like somebody's trying to take their leg off. Um, and at the time I might be dealing with somebody trying to take my leg off. So it, it, but yeah, it's, it's all of five seconds. And somebody's like, Tim, get it out of here. Um, <laughs> vagina, ah! vagina, get it out of here. <laughs> vagina, vagina. Um, but yeah, so they don't like seeing the lady bits. Um, yeah, yeah but lately it's just been a link. I mean, the, the porn bots have been very nice. Yes. They've only been putting, not even a screenshot, just the links. Yeah. Just the link. Which, you know, unless you click on the link and look at it, there's nothing there. But you should never click on the link in chat messages. <laughs> oh, I do just to look at them. <laughs> group, group, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have to see whether it's anything. Um, which, by the way, they're very tame. Um, yeah. But uh, so, I, you know, I get rid of them and I ban the whoever it is that's come in or whatever. Um, and people don't understand that I can't pre-ban these things. I don't, there, there's nothing, Facebook doesn't yeah, give me a tool. break the rules first, yeah. Right, so, uh, so one of our chat members, God Lover, uh, was trying to look for a term for the downstairs parts. And I, I don't remember what we settled on, but she had this really weird name for it. <laughs> the lady downstairs parts. And I had to give her like four names because I didn't like what she had come up with. <laughs> we always called it a clam bake. A clam bake. That's a good one. Yeah. 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 Okay. Clam bake. That works. Okay. Yeah. We had a girl in high school that liked to wear, she was part of our friend group, mm-hmm. but she would, she would sit like 
us with skirts on. So we'd be like, hey, um, there's a clam bake going on. That's how she knew to. <laughs> a clam. She was very tomboyish, but would wear skirts for sports and whatnot. And that's where, hey, um, clam bake going on. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> clam bake. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, very good. Um, oh, so uh, where are we? Fourth so of, back to this latest clam bake. Fourth, yeah. amame, uh, fourth Amendment, uh, having your clam bake hang out. Uh, ABC4 reached out to West Jordan police for comment about the uh, clam bake that was going on in the parking lot. Uh, and they expressed confidence that the officers acted within procedure during the incident. Police added that a formal review of the case is underway and they won't comment further. The lawsuit against the officers stems from an arrest in the early morning hours of September 26th at the My Place Hotel. <laughs> that sounds just cheap. Yeah. In, in the Wasatch Front community, roughly 10 miles south of Salt Lake City. According to a statement from the Myers ho- attorneys, uh, the officers responded to a noise complaint and mistakenly knocked on Meyer's door at around 4 a.m. Rather than leaving or even speaking to the complainant, police knocked loudly and continuously on the door to Sherry Meyer's room until a sleeping Mrs. Myers woke up and came to the door naked from the waist down. That according to the statement. She tried to crack the door, supposedly, and not, <laughs> not expose herself and allow the officers to view the room, so to speak. Uh, yet police insisted that Meyer go into the hallway while they searched the room. They later refused to let her close the door and get dressed. I bet they did. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the officers then blocked the door, the lawsuit alleges, when Myers told them they needed to get a warrant to search the room and refused to let them in. The officers burst by her, forcing Meyer onto the bed where she was handcuffed. Yeah, because they don't need a warrant in a hotel. Well, she doesn't own the property. Exactly. So they don't need a warrant. Yeah. If you didn't do anything wrong, just let them come in. Yeah. When put the, pants on. <laughs> right. Put pants on. Right. Yeah. When the officers searched the room, they determined she was indeed alone. The original complainant had suggested two people were in a noisy argument in one of the hotel rooms, possibly with a crying baby. Instead of admitting their mistake, the officers dragged Meyer outside the hotel where she was made to lie naked on the grass. Okay. That... This goes, this is going too far. Yeah, that's that she doesn't meet the far. description at all. They probably you know what? I wonder if she's attractive. And they're like, okay, yeah, let's we can check this clam bake out some more. <laughs> probably we need to inspect the clam bake further. Officers placed Meyer in a restraint device. Okay, this is too far. Yeah, and she passed out several times. The device was described in the lawsuit as a wrap bodysuit. Weird. So probably belly chains, and they put, put her in the um, the position where your hands are behind your back, and they attach your hands to your feet. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, police took Mrs. Meyer to the jail, charging her with multiple felonies and misdemeanors, alleging she had assaulted officers. Oh, this just gets weird. Yeah, this is these guys going. Oh, this is terrible. Ironic. This is almost assault on the police. The police assaulting her. Yeah. Ironically, Mrs. Meyer was never charged with any crime. The officers were at the hotel to investigate. Yeah, because they knew they screwed up. Yeah, the lawsuit alleges the officers made false statements in the police report supporting the charges, specifically that Meyer swung at an officer. However, her attorney said the body camera footage showed nothing of the sort, only that she pointed at them. Yeah, these. Cops got to realize you're on camera 24-7 now. Yep. 
Meyer's attorney said that when the Salt Lake County District Attorney's Office reviewed the body camera footage of the arrest, they dismissed all the charges against Meyer with prejudice. Exactly. Because they knew she didn't do anything wrong. Right, but that also means they could uh, they could refine. they can reopen it later. Yeah. yeah. So they're not admitting they were wrong. They're admitting they're admitting they're wrong without admitting they're wrong. Right. ABC Four has not reviewed the body camera footage as West Jordan Police said it is being withheld due to the ongoing litigation. Uh, so there you go. Naked, naked, naked. Uh, speaking of naked, let's move on. More naked stuff. A woman sues L.A. says her husband sent nude photos of her to coworkers. Here's the catch. He's a cop and so is she. <laughs> Cops getting frisky. Got to thank Tony for this one, too. Uh, one year after an L.A. police officer was charged with six misdemeanor counts for allegedly sending sexually explicit photos and videos of his wife to LAPD colleagues and other men, the woman, also a police officer, is suing the city of Los Angeles. Okay. The woman's lawsuit filed Wednesday charges the department with sexual harassment, whistleblower retaliation, and failure to take all reasonable steps to prevent sexual harassment and retaliation. She speak, or she seeks unspecified damages. A representative of the city attorney's office did not immediately reply to a request for comment. The plaintiff's husband, Brady Lamas, is awaiting trial on six counts of disorderly conduct by distributing a private, intimate image, according to a criminal complaint filed in Los Angeles County Superior Court last December. The complaint alleges that 46-year-old Lamas passed around sexually explicit photographs and sexually explicit videos of his wife to other LAPD officers. Here's the quote. My own husband is a predator and he preyed on me. I would have preferred that he punched me in the face. Oh, she wrote when applying for a restraining order against Lamas. His actions, she claims, led to be her being sexually harassed by other officers in the department, behavior that she alleges has continued over the last year. Her suit alleges that two officers made harassing comments and were not transferred and that the LAPD did nothing to ensure that the images would no longer be shared by any of the officers who had attained, obtained them. Uh, the department simply did not care enough to do all that was necessary to protect the plaintiff, the suit states, thereby encouraging a hostile work environment and damaging the plaintiff's career. Identified in the original charging document by her first name and last initial, she has worked for the LAPD for 14 years and in the course of her career has received numerous commendations and awards. She originally came upon the explicit images in January of 2021 when she saw a group chat on her husband's phone in which Lamas shared nude photos and videos with a man she didn't know. The discovery, she wrote, helped explain sexually harassing comments that had been directed towards her, which she did not understand. At the time, the comments seemed unusual, but she did not know about the images that Lamas had sent by text messages, WhatsApp, and the messaging app Kick. Upon discovering the images on Lamas's phone, she felt frozen and in fear, she wrote in the filing. The images had left her humiliated. Lamas was a predator whose actions were tantamount to sexual assault. She alleged that she had surreptitiously taken photos of her body during several visits to a doctor's office after she had breast augmentation surgery. 
She claimed he had then shared those images with the other men, referring to them as before and after pics, according to the filing. Some of the male LAPD employees who had received the explicit images would approach her at work, staring at her intently and making comments such as, Brady is a lucky man and he doesn't know how good he has it, according to the filing. Wow. Yeah. She reported Lamas to her supervisor, filed a report with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department station at Santa Clarita, and was interviewed by the Internal Affairs Division. At the time, the LAPD issued a statement saying it was cooperating with the Sheriff's Department and the District Attorney's Office and was troubled by the officer's alleged off-duty conduct, which does not reflect the values of the LAPD. Yet, she said she was afraid to return to work and predicted the harassment would continue. What is worse is this humiliation will keep repeating, perhaps forever, because the private pictures and graphic videos are now in the hands of strangers and multiple co-workers at the LAPD, she wrote. The case is the latest in a series of explicit photo-sharing scandals to rock the department in recent years. The city paid out $1.5 million in 2020 to settle a lawsuit by an LAPD detective who accused a fellow officer of beating her and threatening her and threatened to share sexually explicit images he had secretly taken if she tried to end their relationship. And in September, a jury awarded an LAPD captain $4 million in damages after she sued the city over a nude photograph that was doctored to look like her and shared around the department. This is, it's sad because it's a husband with his wife. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I have a hot wife. I'm not sending nude pictures to everybody, you right, know? Right, Yeah. That, this is juvenile, <laughs> especially yeah. to coworkers when you're in a public service. You know it's going to get out there. Once it's on the internet, it's out there. Right. And it's, I mean, it's one thing if people do something in the privacy of their own home, but then right. to take and just, without a partner's permission, throw that out there and, and and then blackmail her with it. Yeah, that's just disgusting. And and it's such a an icky, you know, icky, disgusting thing to to just br- not only break that partner's trust, but then put them on display like that. You know. Yeah, yeah. and then you got to work with these people. Yeah, exactly. And then to to yeah, you essentially have violated that partner. Exactly. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. And 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 you've drugged them through the mud and continue to do that because you don't know who sees that image after that. Exactly, because it goes from one person. It's like telephone. Yeah. You know, pretty soon, one person becomes two, becomes four, becomes eight, sixteen. You know, just keeps growing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Let's move on. A Florida woman smashes a man's taillight after he refuses to pay her for sexual favors. Well, you should always pay for sexual. If you're, if you're getting a hook, you're paying her. Good job. <laughs> and her name's probably Miracle, according to uh, according to uh, Bruiser. Stripper, I said. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a difference between the two. Right. I'm. I'm sorry. You pay one to see. You pay the other for go. <laughs> right. I, I'm. I don't. I don't know. Um, well, let's see what this one's name is. We go to Lake County, Florida, where a Florida woman was arrested on Christmas Eve. It's a time of giving, Bruiser. <laughs> It is. You'd think you're getting a hooker on Christmas Eve. Tip her. Pay her a little bit more. (laughs) Pay her a little bit more. A Florida woman was arrested on Christmas Eve after she allegedly smashed a man's taillight when he refused to pay her for sexual favors, according to an arrest affidavit. Uh, 23-year-old Hanifa Hossein was arrested and charged with criminal mischief after the incident 
that unfolded on Sunday afternoon in Mineola. Uh, deputies responded to the 100 block of East Washington Street on a criminal mischief complaint. They spoke with a man who said Hossein was involved in an argument with him for no reason. The man said, Hossein, can you see by the dawn's early light, was <laughs> allegedly or allegedly became upset and got out of his car. And that's when he realized she left her cell phone inside. He threw it out of the window. Nice guy. Yeah. Uh, as he was trying to leave. But then Hossein allegedly smashed his right taillight, breaking it. Well, you probably broke her phone. I was going to say, he threw her phone at her. Right. The man said he wants Hossein to pay for the damages, saying it would cost about $400. That's a very expensive sexual <laughs> rendezvous. Well, if you broke her phone, it's probably 1000 bucks. Yeah. yeah. So call it even. Yeah. Hossein and the man had a relationship in the past, but have not been together for over a year. So then why did she want to get paid? Probably to offset the phone charges. I'm <laughs> uh, when deputies spoke with Hossein, she said that she hit the taillight with a bottle because she was angry that the man did not want to pay her the money that he owes her in return for a sexual favor since he, since he was not satisfied with the way she had not or she had performed. <laughs> what? You go to Yelp for that? <laughs> Do you get rated for that? One star. <laughs> Let me try and wrap my head around this. Wait a minute. Okay, so she said she was angry that the man did, want, did not want to pay her the money that he owes her in return for a sexual favor because he was not satisfied with the way she had performed. Yep. So wasn't up to his expectations. He wasn't going to pay for it. He was expecting more. Better. <laughs> So they'd done it before. Her, 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 her mistake was asking for a survey at the end. <laughs> so let me get this straight. So they've done it before in the past for free. They hooked up and she goes, okay, I'll do it, but you got to give me money. And then he's like, ah, this wasn't like before. They did it. And he was like, you know what? Mm, wasn't up to my standing. Uh, get out. You know why? Free is always better. Oh, yeah. Whenever it's free, it's good. <laughs> yeah. But if you're paying for it, it what? It's got to be... It, it's like pizza. <laughs> you take your chances when you pay for pizza. But you can get a refund. Can you? Yeah. If you have a bad pizza, you can get a refund. Can you? Though? I don't know if you can get a refund from a bad hooker. Because I think if you call the pizza place, they'll just issue you a new pizza. Either that or they'll give you store credit. But I don't think right. that's how it works. I don't think you get store credit with hookers. But she's not a hooker. She's an acquaintance. Wouldn't that's true. She, that's that's the, the gray area we're running into. Wouldn't here. she just break you off some more? <laughs> You'd think. I think it was him throwing the phone is what pissed her off. Like right, he said. right. That's what pissed her off. Right. If he would have just said, hey, you forgot your phone. Everything uh, would have been fine. And I'm pretty sure he probably goes, yeah, that wasn't that good. Get out. Yeah. If he would have said, yeah, it wasn't that good. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm not going to pay you. Do you think maybe I can get store credit? She would have maybe gave him, gave him store credit. And yeah. He would have got some more and then maybe he would have paid her for that. Maybe. See, I think this can all be solved by Judge Judy. <laughs> or who's taking over for Judge Judy now? Is it is it uh, Judge Mathis? I think so. I think it's Judge Mathis. 
Let's just say people's court. Yeah, people's court. People's court can solve this. Uh, Hossein was placed under arrest and taken to the Lake County Jail. Why is she being arrested? Because she broke his taillight. She's being released after posting a $1,000 bond. Well, he broke a phone. He didn't break it. It didn't say he broke it. He just said he threw it at her. By the way, are you paying her for, for anything? Um, no. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm not being judgmental, but I'm just saying if she, if she said, Bruiser, I'll do it with you, but you got to pay me. No. No, you're not paying her? No. Okay. No. No, I, I don't think I'm. Maybe a freebie. Yeah, maybe. But no, I'm not paying her. No, I'm not paying her either. Just saying. This guy, okay, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> are you paying this guy? <laughs> okay, this guy. <laughs> this guy looks like a. Is that the guy? What? No, 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 no. This guy oh, is a, a different, different story. story. This guy's okay. a different story. Are you paying this guy for any services? No, God, no. He's gonna, he looks like he just wants to steal money from you. Okay, this is our final story. Yeah, he looks like a, a Ponzi guy. Like right off the bat, Doesn't he's got he? he's got he's got some beachfront stuff to sell you in Arizona. Okay, some so, beachfront property in Arizona. Beach, beachfront property in Arizona, isn't that a song? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's got beachfront property in Arizona. Here's the story. Okay, so I'm sitting on my couch. I'm watching the news. This is the lead story. Okay, which has broke by. I know you're going to appreciate this because. It was broke by WIZM Radio, which is Z93 in La Crosse. Okay. Z93 is a top 40 station. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why is Z93 breaking news? Right? Well, they got to break it. <laughs> They're a top 40 station. <laughs> and then I see what the headline is. Are you ready for the headline? Oh, yeah. Wisconsin University Chancellor says he was fired for producing and appearing in porn videos. Well, yeah, you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing that makes it worse is if he did it on campus. Which, let's hear the story. Well, Bruiser, we go to the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. Which I now I figure out why Z93 broke this story. Yeah, it's on Lacrosse's campus. Former University of Wisconsin Lacrosse Chancellor Joe Gao, you go now, Joe Gao, said Thursday that the school's governing board fired him because members were uncomfortable with him and his wife producing and appearing in pornographic videos. I would be very uncomfortable too. <laughs> you're you're the public face of the school, bro. But it's it's the videos they produced which made me laugh. Yeah. The Universities of Wisconsin's Board of Regents, which oversees UW-Madison, UW-La Crosse, and 11 other regional campuses, voted unanimously during a hastily convened closed meeting last Wednesday to fire Gao. After the vote, University of Wisconsin President Jay Rothman and Regents President Karen Walsh issued statements saying the Regents had learned of specific conduct by Gao that subjected the university to significant reputational harm. Rothman called Gao's actions abhorrent and said Walsh, or rather, and Walsh said she was disgusted 
but neither of them offered any details of the allegations. Oh, we're getting to details. Already. Oh, okay. I was yeah. going to say, we need details. Yeah. Gao told the Associated Press in a phone interview on Thursday morning that Regents had discovered that he and his wife, former UW lacrosse professor Carmen Wilson, had been producing and appearing in pornographic videos. He maintained that he never mentioned UW lacrosse. <laughs> Can you imagine going at it with his wife going, oh, UW lacrosse. Oh, he's wearing a UW lacrosse sweatshirt. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's got the sweatshirt on, you know, on the top half. And he's like, oh, register your credits now. Go to the bookstore. Oh, take my class. Um, or his role at the university in any of the videos. And the firing violated his free speech rights. Okay. Okay, okay. I don't know that I'd buy that. Yeah. He says, my wife and I live in a country where we have a First Amendment, he said. First Amendment doesn't cover this. No. We're dealing with consensual adult sexuality, he says. The regents are overreacting. They're certainly not adhering to their own commitment to free speech or the First Amendment, which covers none of this. There are behavior clauses. Mm -hmm. You deal with impressionable youth. And it's also, I'm pretty sure in the handbook, you're not allowed to engage in such activities. That's right. Gao also complained that the regents never told him what policy he violated and he was never given a hearing or other opportunity to present his case. He said he's contemplating a lawsuit. Well, good luck to you. I got an email last night saying I was terminated, Gao said. I wish I would have had the opportunity to have a hearing. When reasonable people understand what my wife and I are creating, it calms them down. You're creating porn. You're doing your wife on camera. It's porn. Well, we'll see. Are you ready for this? Gao had planned to retire as a chancellor at the conclusion of the spring 2024 semester. That's convenient. And transition into a role teaching communication courses. But Rothman said... Wednesday evening that he planned to file a complaint with UWL's interim chancellor, Betsy Morgan, seeking a review of Gao's tenure. Rothman said in an email to the AP on Thursday morning that Gao failed to act as a role model for students, faculty, and community, and mistakenly believes the First Amendment equates to a free pass to say or do anything that he pleases. Good judgment requires that there are and must be limits on what is said or done by the individuals entrusted to lead our university, Rothman wrote. Rothman added that Gao served at the pleasure of the regents and was not entitled to any specific process. That should be abundantly clear to him, Rothman said. Gao took heavy criticism in 2018 for inviting porn actor Nina Hartley to speak at UW Lacrosse. Yes, he did. He paid her $5,000 out of student fees to appear. Ray Cross, then UW system president, reprimanded him, and the regents refused to give him a raise that year. Gao said then that he was exercising the system's free speech policies. Uh, Gao and his wife, here it is. Star in a YouTube channel called Sexy Healthy Cooking, in which <laughs> in which the couple cooks meals with porn actors. They have also written two ebooks, Monogamy with Benefits, How Porn Enriches Our Relationship, and Married with Benefits, Our Real Life Adult Industry Adventures under pseudonyms. Okay? Their biographies on Amazon contain links to their videos on X, which is the social media platform formerly known as Twitter and a pornographic website. Now, they can be easily accessed and you can easily get to their stuff if you look them up. Yeah, even if they're under pseudonyms, you can find out. Yeah. So you lose that case. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's not going to win this, even though it 
it's not like when you think porn, it's not exactly what that is. It's still taboo. And and you're you're like you said you're working with impressionable kids. It's it's not hard for the kids to go. Oh, did you hear what so and so did? Here, check out the pseudonym. Go look this up. Yeah, and you can. You know? And here's the argument. It's not that. It's not that you know you can say, well, Tim, these are kids that are all of legal age. You know, th- these are college students. It's not that. It's a respect factor. Yeah, because you're supposed to be a higher in in authority. Right. You're an authority figure yeah. who's supposed to be in charge of higher learning. You're supposed yep. to be a, a, an authority figure that's supposed to be respected. So how am I supposed to look at this authority figure who's supposed to be teaching me in a, in a, in an arena of higher learning? And all I can think of is you're stooping your wife while you're cooking. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I can't wrap my head around that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and sure, everybody has sexual fantasies. And sex yeah. is normal, sex is healthy. I get that. But neither of the two arenas should cross. Maybe you have your own fantasies. That's cool. You can do that. But neither the two arenas should cross or should I know about. Exactly. When, when we're sitting down to learn about whatever it is you're teaching me. You know, I don't want to know that Ajit Daniel, my former professor of communications, is, you know, has a, has a cooking channel with his wife and they're practicing the Kama Sutra. I don't right. want to know that. I want to know that he's teaching me about communications theory. Right. That's and that's it. a distraction. If you go in and you saw these websites and you're trying to take his class, you are going to be distracted. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be focusing on, on communications. You're going to be focusing on, oh, they were making a strudel and he was giving her the strudel. You know, and the fact that he brought Nina Hartley in for what? Yeah. You know, that's not a First Amendment deal. That's not. No, you're not teaching anything about First Amendment there. No, you're just pushing that, you know, Nina Hartley. Good for you. Right. You want to you want to talk First Amendment. Bring in somebody who has done something with the First Amendment. Bring in a journalist. Bring in somebody who's actually had faced a First Amendment issue. Someone who's Larry Flint. No, 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 <laughs> no, not no. well. I, I, I don't know that Larry Flint even. Uh, I don't know if he's alive anymore. But you know what I mean. Bring no, somebody like that caliber. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't go in the. Help. I wouldn't go in the porn arena. What I'm talking about. What about is, like a Howard Stern? He faced that for a while, didn't he? Yeah. Well, okay. Howard Stern maybe is a little better, but I'm talking like um, Bob Woodward. Okay. When you're talking Watergate or something like that, or bring in, um, bring in somebody who's actually. A, someone who's actually had their first amendment rights threatened bring mm-hmm. in reporters bring in you know you've got a, a multitude of people out there who have had their first right or first amendment rights threatened that, yeah. th- that isn't tough right you don't need to reach out and be controversial and that's all that joe gao has done is be controversial yeah, and that's he's all just he trying was. to bring more light to the situation, hopefully to get more likes and views on his porn stuff. That's right, and that's all he was. That's, that's all, all this is, is him making noise. Yep, that's all he was looking to do. So that'll do it for dumb crime, stupid criminals for today, Bruiser. What you got going on? Uh, training the youth of professional wrestling on amlwrestling.com slash training. Um, we're back at it back at the full schedule um after the new year and then uh january 20th war games three active war games three at the benton convention center in winston-salem 
now. See me, see Kurt Angle, Arn Anderson, um, Violent J of the ICP will be there. Um, TitleMatchNetwork.com. You can go watch it or show up live. Come see me. Say hi. And we have an updated links in the events section of DarknessRadioShow.com. You can get all the information for that. Get your tickets for it there. And you can also get a link to Title Match Network to subscribe to be able to watch it online as well. Exactly. There you go. Uh, I'm off this weekend from uh, KNSIRadio.com. And right. uh, so you won't hear me this weekend, but the weekend after you can listen to me there. Uh, tomorrow's show, Supernatural News. And then uh, Thursday. Boy, do we have an interesting show on Thursday. We're going to be talking dreams. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to be talking your dreams and accessing success through your dreams. Okay. That's a, kind of an interesting turn to the whole new year in 2024 and how you break through in 2024 through accessing your uh, aspirations and dreams. Okay. Yeah. So that's what we're doing uh, for, by the way, it's anniversary week. So. All uh, right. By the way, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, uh, Bruiser. We are uh, officially 18 years old, so uh, we can be drafted into the military now. And I think we can look at that teacher's YouTube page. Yeah, we can. Yeah, officially (laughs) Darkness Radio can look at boobies and beer. We can't, we can't drink it yet, but we can look at it. Exactly. Um, yeah, we can die for our country, but uh, that's about it as, <laughs> as a show. So there you go. So tomorrow, Supernatural News here on the big program. Thank you so much for listening to the best in true crime podcasting. Thank you for listening to True Crime Tuesday.